welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. If you've been with us for the last couple weeks, you know that we're in what I call a mini-series. Basically three different times that we talk about this idea of wait and see. And if you would reflect with me a little bit, if you've been there, I want to just read to you a few different things that I wrote down during those first two. First was by Tom, and he shared out of John chapter 10. And if you remember, what he began to talk about was this simple thought that waiting is not only difficult, but it is seasonal, meaning there's an end to it. There's a change that comes to that. And that we should stay focused on our mission. We should know uh, what our purpose is and do it and trust in Jesus. And he gave that beautiful illustration, that illustration of someone that's got one foot on the dock, you remember this, and one foot in the boat. And all of you that have done that know exactly what's going to happen. You're either going to get in the boat, you're going to get on the dock, or you're going to go in the water. Most of the time, my experience have been in the water. That's just the way it goes. So, but he he gave us that picture of the idea that there's meant to be a, a commitment on our part to the idea that waiting is really part of what God has for us, and it will bring about fruitfulness in our life if we just let that happen. Second thing was, is last week, Ben, if you remember, he took us into 2 Kings and talked about Elijah and his servant and the enemies that were surrounding, and he talked about this idea of a way to wait and see. He used himself as an example as he talked about when he was younger that he had hurt his eye and had to be laid up for two weeks and during that period of time he had to lay in bed and for the most part he was waiting to see whether he was going to be okay. And out of that came a number of things that he shared about don't be afraid but be at peace, remain confident and pray with power and the idea that in the midst of all of that that there is a God who is working on your behalf behind the scenes. We're going to conclude our mini-series today with a look at God's waiting room. Very simply, God's plan for spending time while we wait. One of the things that's always surprised me when I look at Scripture is I find that oftentimes when I think about waiting, what comes to my mind is God must want to teach me to be patient. And yet what you find in Scripture is that what God uses waiting for is to give me strength. They're different. Not the same. And there's something that we need to hold on to and understand that God does not put us in a position of waiting or into a waiting room to just kind of see how we're doing. He kind of knows how we're doing. But He puts us there because He wants to develop a strength, a strength of relationship with Him, a strength in terms of relationship about our mission and our purpose in life, He wants to build into us something of a strength dependent upon Him so that we can finish what He's calling us to do. So this morning I'm going to look with you at uh, Genesis, I mean Isaiah chapter 40. In fact, maybe before I go there I should mention Genesis. Yeah, I guess I will. Do you know one of the problems that we have with waiting? We don't like it. We don't like it. One of the things I've noticed about myself and I notice about humanity is we have a simple approach to life. I want it, I want it now, and I don't want to wait. It's just, that's just what rises up in us. 
And that, if you recall, goes all the way back to the garden. Do you remember in the garden when Adam and Eve faced temptation? Of course, there was the dangling of the fruit that they weren't supposed to touch. But what happens in the midst of all of that is there is a statement made where the enemy speaks these words. God knows that when you eat it, the moment you eat of it, you will be like God. And they saw it, and they wanted it, and they wanted it now, and didn't wait. That somehow got entwined into our DNA. Humanity's DNA has got that twistedness inside of us because of sin that makes it somehow in our minds, our hearts, deep in our spirit, this idea that somehow we shouldn't have to wait for anything because if I want it, it's good enough that I should have it and I should have it right now. And yet that goes in opposite direction of everything God wants to do in us to build in us a sense of strength that's dependent upon him. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what God is trying to do in those moments when we wait, because so many of you think about it, we spend most of our life waiting. I mean, we've always seemed to have something on our mind or in our heart that we're waiting for. And yet God somehow has put that there into our life so we would respond rightly. And so as we look at Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at, oh, let's see, verse 28, and I'm going to have to, i got to get out my big print. I can't, even glasses I can't see. You know, you, you know you're getting old. When you put on your readers and you still can't read. That's, that's not good. So I do something that I don't... Just, I'm just being honest. Just, I make big print in case I can't read it. And I've got my little print Bible with me, so it's not going to work for me. In, I, in Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31, this is what it says. Have you not known, have you not heard... The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint." One of the things that God does in this place, and Isaiah unfolds it for us, is before he even says anything about waiting, he talks about weariness. He talks about being tired. He talks about being exhausted. And he compares that to the Most High God. Because, see, at the core of knowing what to do when you wait has to be this. You must be reminded of your limitations and that you serve a limitless God. You have limits. And then what goes on is this, the simple thoughts are given. Use, and that word there means uh, like toddler, the, the little ones, those little children. You know those ones that go, go like that all over the place and never stop? Yeah. And, and the statement, statement here in Scripture is those little ones like that, they will faint and they will grow weary. They're ti- they get tired and they get worn out. Now, if you're a mom... I'm not sure you believe that. I can tell you as a grandpa, I don't believe it at all. You've got to be kidding. There's endless energy there. There's just like a go, 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 go. 
And it, by the time that we're at a point that they're getting tired, I'm already worn out. I mean, that's just what happens. But then the other one is, is put into place. It talks about young men, and that is the word that was used for those that would be eligible to be enlisted into the Israel army. They were, they were the best of the best. They were at the prime of life, and they are ones that still stumble and fall. I thought, wow, so where's that put me, Lord? I, uh, I, get, I get weary and faint, and I stumble and fall both. It's like, you know, the, you, you kind of wonder. It's like, okay, Lord, if you can, it, it, I know something about limitations, and especially as I get older, I find it more and more. I was reminded of this when I was asked to take care of my son's chicken coop and animals. Well, it's it's fine. I've taken care of chickens before, but I hadn't been asked to take care of chickens when they have been moved from their normal coop to a new coop. It's cold outside. It's dark. And I go thinking that I'm, all I have to do is go, here, chicky, 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 you know, and get them into the uh, coop. <clears throat> I get there, and they are none in the coop. Not one. They have climbed up on top of a metal building, and they are as far away in the corner as they can possibly get. So much so that as I'm standing there, I'm, I'm pounding on things, trying to get them to move. They're not moving. They looked at me like, like, who are you? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the stupid one here that's supposed to take care of you. But it's like, so I'm pounding, and I'm thinking, I got it. Okay, I got to do something. How am I going to do this? Oh, so I go in the garage, and I get a handle off of a rake. So I go back out there, and I start pounding on it, but I still can't reach them. And because I can't reach them with that, that stick, they just kind of, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's what I'm getting. You know, it's like, it's like, come on, come on, guys. I want to go home. So I, I look, and there's a pile of bricks. So I start climbing up the pile of bricks, and I've got my stick, and I'm just about to make a, a ferocious get out of there smack when, whoo, this foot goes out from under me. I fly up in the air. I land in between the bricks and the coop. I twist this knee. I scrape my leg, and there's blood running down my leg. And sorry, I never told you about this. Okay, never mind. You know, you don't, I'm just saying, you don't tell your wife stuff like that because then what happens, she goes, do you want your walker? I mean, that's kind of what goes on. I mean, I'm just saying. She loves me and loves me enough to say, maybe you need a walker. Yeah, so, okay. But what happens then is I, I have to chase these chickens down. I got one bum leg and the other one's bleeding and I'm trying to catch chickens in the dark and there's two lovely chickens that they go right in. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is great. Maybe the rest will do this. Not a chance. So I'm chasing these. I catch three of them. I catch three of them by cornering them and then somehow getting my hands on them. I get them in the coop. I do that with a couple more and then all of a sudden, there's one. There's one that flies by me with that, and off it goes and it's running down the fence line. So I try, to, I try to catch it. So I catch up with it, head it off, try to move it back towards the coop, and it goes all the way right past the coop. Right past the coop, turns around, I try to trap it again, it goes again. And finally, it jumps up on top again of the, the metal roof. So now I'm pounding on it again, I get it off, it goes down, it doesn't go in the coop, it starts running again, and I go, okay, you're one dead chicken, I'm not getting you in the coop. And I start to turn, 
I start to turn, and of course, these are the two things. One, I feel like the Lord's whispering to me, oh, he's a lot like you. <laughs> yeah, make it personal. Yeah, I mean, that's the idea. Go ahead, God, make it personal. So then I look back, and this is what runs through my mind. I can't let a chicken die on my watch. How am I going to tell my grandkids I'm a chicken murderer? I didn't take care of your chickens. It's like, no, I can't do it. So I go, Lord, I need help. Lord, please, I need help. I can't. That chicken will never go in that coop for me. I need you to help me. See, I was beyond my limits. I was probably beyond my limits when they asked me to do it, but I was clearly beyond my limits when I was after I'd fallen and trying to chase chickens in the dark. But I asked God to help me. And the thought that came to me is go in the garage. I go in the garage. I'm looking around, and what I find is a bunch of big boxes, cardboard boxes, empty. And I went, wow, I can build a chute. So, so I take these big boxes out, and I kind of put them in a thing like this, and I think, okay, that, okay. You know, so I go over there, same thing. I try it again, and it doesn't work. And so I say again, Lord, I, I, got, I have no hope here at all. I need your help. And it's like, and I was about to give up, and I walked one more time, and that, that chicken ran right in the coop. <laughs> I thought, lesson learned. Lesson learned. You know, there are points in all of our lives that we must embrace the fact that we're limited. And the reason why is if we don't embrace that, we really won't seek him. Not really. As long as we think there's some way that we might be able to do this without him, we have that tendency to do it. That twistedness in us that somehow thinks, I can do this. I could have started a lot better if when I would have got there, I would have just started with, Lord, there's a chicken coop. I don't know much about chickens. You do. Would you help me? I didn't start that way. I know what to do. No, I don't. So anyway, the very first thing that Isaiah points to here and what God wants to, to, to kind of paradox is this idea. On the one hand, God has limitless resources and ability to deal with everything in life. He's the creator. He's the creator of everything. And on the other hand, we are limited. And he wants us to respond that way. Remind yourself when you're waiting that there are limits on what you can do, but there are none on him. The second thing is found just right below that where it says, it says these simple words in verse 30, 31. Wait upon the Lord. That's a very interesting word because that word wait is translated in so many different ways in our Bible. In the Old Testament, it's translated as hope, trust, look, collect, bind, wait, and gather. Okay, so which one is it? So when you look back at the root of the word, the root of the word has to do with entwining or braiding things together. It's the idea of taking two strands, putting it together, and wrapping them up like this. And the tighter that you wrap the strand, the stronger it gets. And that's the word that's used here. Those that would wait upon the Lord. It's the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 1-9. Very first time it's used in the Bible. And it's used of something very curious. It's, it's talking about creation. It says this, Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. That word gathered together into one place is the word that we're talking about here, wait. It's the idea of bringing something together, making it one. 
And I would suggest to you at the very heart of what God is speaking to us in Isaiah is he puts us in a place where we need to wait because he wants us to enwrap ourselves, to wind ourselves about him, to literally come to a place that we say there's nothing more important than being close to you and being intertwined with you. We understand where our strength comes. And so we move into that relationship with him far and before anything else would take place. That braided rope is something that very simply comes unraveled very, very quickly if you're the source of the strength. If you think about you and Jesus, and just think about that, think what you bring to the rope game. String. What does Jesus bring to the rope game? Everything. I mean, I mean come on, it's, it doesn't take much to think that. Your, your responsibility, or what God is calling you to do, is to wrap yourself around His strength and let Him do in and through your life what He wants to do. That's what's supposed to happen when you wait. He redirects our focus. He brings us to a point that we're focused on what we need to focus on. That's kind of highlighted in Scripture when if you remember the story of Mary and Martha and when Jesus comes into their home, it's found in, uh, I think it's Luke chapter 10, and it says this, Now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village. There was a certain woman named Martha who welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She approached him and said, Lord, you don't, you don't care that my sister has left me to serve alone? You, you Tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, and it will not be taken from her. You, you talk about two people, both who love the Lord, both of them in a place of waiting. One was acting, if you would think about Martha. Martha was facing what I would call that, that Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, here's Jesus. He's got his disciples with him. So let's just narrow it down and say it's only 12 disciples and him, plus Mary and Martha. Okay, it doesn't take much to do the math. That's 15 people feeding them. And let me tell you this right now. She had no microwave. She had no electric oven. Air fry? Well, yeah, if you want to just sit it out in the sun. I mean, that, you just have to think. This is a major production, and she's pouring her life into this to make it a special moment for Jesus. And she thinks that everything she is doing is for that purpose. But she's waiting. She's waiting not only for her sister to do something, which she should have done a long time ago, but she's now waiting for Jesus. And she's not getting it. She still hasn't caught that that's not what you do when you wait. And so what happens? She comes out. She not only comes to a place where she talks to, to Jesus uh, about being distracted, she's distracted, but then she's telling him what to do. You tell my sister to get in here. Who's she talking to? <laughs> Who's she talking to? Does that sound like me? When I'm waiting and don't like it? Sure it does. God, if you just do this, I'm telling you right now, I know what you should do. You, why haven't you done this yet? Come on, don't you see what's going on? This should take place now. We have something that rises in us 
that does not bring to the surface that sweet disposition of loving Jesus. It's that part of us that we know oftentimes shows its face, and God wants us to see it because he wants to deal with it. He wants to help us. You know, Martha never would have seen this until this waiting moment comes in her life and she's frustrated out of her mind because of it. And yet what happens here is she gets that opportunity to see exactly what her sister is doing and what Jesus said was good. What Mary was doing is in the words of that old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That was what what God was looking for in a waiting moment. It was to see that they were limited, to come to a place that they just wanted to be entwined and close, close with Jesus, to become one. And what the Bible goes on to say is when that choice is made, when you make that choice to wait upon the Lord, to come to a place that you want to be entwined with Him, that your focus is on Him, and you begin to let go of those other things, then there is the promise in Scripture that says simply this, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll renew their strength. The renewal of strength is a kind of a simple thing there. You know, it's, it's first off the idea of something that would spring forth, something that would uh, uh, rise up. There might be a lot of different terms that are used for it, but they would use it oftentimes for things like if you walked through the grass and the grass got pressed down, it would, it would spring up. Or you'd be at the springtime, right now at my house, I don't know about yours, but I got daffodils coming up and I got iris coming up. And I'm thinking, it's just the beginning of March. But that's what's happening. They, they burst through the ground, that hard-packed ground. They burst through. They spring forth. They come up where it didn't look like anything was going on. And what Scripture begins to unfold here is God renews our strength. He makes something spring forth from what's going on in the waiting room with God that you wouldn't even believe had happened yet but you're about to see it. He has renewed your strength. One of the things that you find here is an interesting thing too is because Scripture says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, let me see if I can find that real quick. Being assembled together, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And then in verse 8 it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and even to the end of the earth. That word that's used there is a unique word. It's only used one place in the New Testament. And once again, they have a hard time knowing exactly how to, to translate it. But the Greeks, when they were translating the, the Old Testament what they did was they used the same word we've been talking about right here to describe that action in Acts. That idea that there is to be an entwining and a bringing together into one. Only now he's not talking about, about God as a whole, but talking about the intimacy that is meant to be between you and I and the Holy Spirit. That when that happens, and then what's the promise? You do that, 
walk into the promise, and God says that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. God wants us to be one with Him, entwined with Him as a Father, entwined with Him as a Savior and as God's Son, entwined with Him as the Holy Spirit. And He's constantly inviting us in times of waiting to enter into a renewal of strength. Why? So we can finish our mission. So we can finish what God has called us to do, to be who God has called us to be, and to display the glory of God in what we're doing. And what are we doing? Well, we're a little thread wrapped around a great big God. That's what I'm doing. And when I do that, somehow, out of that, I look like I'm part of His glory. I guess I am, but it's, I'm just a little thread around the big rope. What God invites us into always in times of waiting or in the waiting room is to move deeper and deeper into that kind of relationship. Most of us, if we've been to a waiting room or we've, even, we've watched others in waiting rooms, you know, one of the worst things in the world if you go to a waiting room is you forget to bring something. I mean, I didn't bring, you know, you don't bring your phone, then you're in trouble because you can't, you can't do any texting and you can't play any games. So don't have my iPad or don't have my little, little switch things with me. I got none of those things. And so suddenly what starts to happen in a waiting room is it really is a waiting room. I don't like it. I don't like it. I want some. Oh, there's a magazine. Madam as well. Oh, what? You know, you know, teen, teen U.S. I mean, it's like a, all the stuff in there and stuff. They might have one field and stream, maybe, but most of the time you're looking at feminine stuff and it's like you don't want to be caught in the waiting room with feminine stuff. It just doesn't look right, at least not for me. Maybe for you ladies it's great. So all that to say, though, we do everything we can to avoid waiting. We do it all the time. But in a waiting room it's really noticeable. You don't have to look very much, just looking around, seeing what everybody's doing. They're always trying to find something to fill that awkward space of waiting. When God reveals very clearly that what he's looking for and giving you opportunity for in those waiting moments is himself. He's giving himself to you and in asking you to embrace that. That's how you finish well. That's how you finish your mission. Then it goes on from there to say that when you've got that renewed strength, there's three things that are going to take place. And it's kind of an awkward kind of scenario that they give there because if you remember the scripture there, it says uh, they will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. It's almost upside down. You know, most of us would never think about flying before we think about running, before we thought about walking. But when God begins to do this, he's trying to draw our attention. This is not physical in any way, shape, or form. You can use it for that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times it's like, oh, Lord, give me strength. You know, but it's like if you look at what's being spoken, okay, you will mount up or rise up on the wings of eagles. You'll move to a heavenly perspective. You'll see things differently. If you allow me to renew your strength, you will see things differently. You'll rise up and go over obstacles because of what I have done in your life. That's the real heart of what's going on. It goes right after that and says, run and not get weary. Once again, we all know what happens when we run. I mean, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm good for oh, halfway down that aisle. 
I mean, I can give it every, I mean, I could burst of speed halfway down the aisle. Many of you could go out the door and you're off on some kind of marathon run. Good for you. I'm just saying I can't do that. But it's like what happens is, and we all know this, you cannot run forever. You can't. You can't. You will get weary. You will get tired. And so what you have here, very simply, is God saying that this is something of a supernatural work. This is not natural. It's supernatural. It's in the place that it is not physical. It's spiritual. The scripture I'd like to draw your attention to about running, we already talked a little bit about the rise above, but running in God's ways and commandments. There's a scripture that says this. It's found in Psalm 119, verse 32 and 33. That says this, I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. I love this. And I shall keep it to the end. I'll finish the race. I'll complete the course. I won't give up. What happens here is that, there's, that the Isaiah in this picture from the Lord is giving this idea that you can rise above the obstacles in life. God can give you a renewed view of what takes place. In fact, Scripture, Paul, when he talks about it, he says, don't you know you're seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ, the King and the Lord? That there is, there is something about being renewed by the Lord that changes our perspective. And the perspective is one is getting to know and understand how He sees things, not how I do. I don't see things really good. He reminds me a lot that I'm, I don't see too good. So, but what you find is, is that's what's going to happen. He wants you to rise above obstacles, see things from his perspective, and the way that you do that continually is running in God's ways and commandments. Follow the course he has for you. Follow the course. You know, if you go out to race and they've got lanes and you run out of your lane, you're disqualified. Stay in your lane. The boundaries on each side of you is the Word of God. It's His commandments. And of course, the wonderful thing too is is that we also have the Holy Spirit that reminds us where the lines are. All the time, we just have to listen and respond. Instead of, I don't want to be inside these lines, I'm going to go outside the line. Yeah, okay, got it. Well, you know what happens then? There's a disqualification. There's a a painful process of being outside the lines. It damages your ability to rise above, and it also damages your ability to run with God's commands and word and not get weary. And finally, the last one is uh, the idea talks about that you will walk and not faint. I'm not sure I can walk forever and not faint. Just be real honest. I just don't think I got it. But I I do know this. Spiritually, walk and not faint. And the scripture I love for this is simply this. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If there is ever a clear definition of the lust of the flesh, It's me saying, I want it. I want it now. I'm going to get it. It's that self. That self being promoted to be the king. And I'm not. You're not either. So you look forward to this simple thing. 
when you go into a waiting room with God, and that doesn't have to be in a waiting room like an American waiting room can be in your own living room for a few minutes. But that place where there's things that you're running through in your mind, where you're wondering whether there'll ever be an answer to that, whether God has heard or, or, or he's going to do anything. You're struggling at that point where you're dealing with your limited ability and his limitless ability, and you're right in between there. And in those moments where you're struggling with that and you're looking at that, Scripture would say, wait. And that doesn't mean sit down and count to ten. It doesn't mean you have to wait for years. But it does mean what we've been talking about. Wrap yourself around the Lord. Take a moment to let him in. If you've got chickens running loose, I just suggest you to say, help me, Jesus. I'm telling you, he, he comes through. But whatever it is, come to that place that you'll wait on the Lord. Not like Martha, but like Mary. Wanting to know what God has to say and what he wants to do in a situation that to you is out of your control. God promises very simply that he will be there. I love that the way, the way that the word is phrased out there is simply this, those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. If you're like me, I need that almost every day. But I sometimes forget how to get it. <laughs> so this is your reminder. This is your reminder as we finish up our Wait and See uh, series. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to have the... Um, Worship team come up, and as they're coming forward, <clears throat> I want to share with you one little, little simple thing. You know, we finish up today the, the Wait and See series, you know, that we've talked through from Tom sharing and, and Ben and myself now, but, you know, we, we finish this, and next week we begin a new one. It's so interesting to me that our new series that we start next week is Rise and Shine rise and shine and I would just say to you very simply that is everything in scripture speaks to the fact that that's what God wants to see happen in each of our lives that we would rise and shine because of what he does with us like I said we're just that little thread wrapped around that big big rope but when that happens there's a lot of things that happen because that rope moves things it has strength that you do not have. Allow that to happen in and with your life and see what God does. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to hear your word. Lord, oftentimes we, we deal with issues, Lord, in our own life about why we can't do things so easy. It just seems like, Lord, it's hard for us to do things. And when you put your finger on things like waiting, it's, it, it, always, it, it touches a bone. It touches part of our heart. Lord, we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to wait upon you. And Lord, even as the, the thread and threads being wound together, as two would be becoming one, like in a marriage. Lord, that's what we're longing for, that oneness with you, a braided rope with you that we can walk through life. We invite you, Lord, to have that your way and your work within us. We ask those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Got a simple few action steps this week. Take time. It's a bit, I can read that print better. <laughs>
Take time to consider from God's point of view the people, the circumstances, delays, and obstacles that may be in your life. Secondly, look through God's word at how often his children were required to wait and often failed before they got it right. And then finally, remember to invite the Holy Spirit to empower you so you can rise, run, and relax with him throughout every day.